Welcome to the Discover Church Podcast. It is our prayer that what you hear today is an encouragement and a blessing to your life. We are in the middle of a series called Love That Lasts. And just so you know, yes, it's a little bit of a relationship series, but it is more focused on the gospel than anything. So no matter where you are in your season of life, whether you're single, whether you're dating, whether you're engaged, whether you're married, whether you're widowed, whether you're divorced, you are invited. This is for all of us this morning. There's something for all of us in this. And I don't know how you feel about Valentine's Day. I personally like that a holiday interrupts the monotony of winter sometimes. Some of you, it's the only time once a year that you buy your wife flowers. How could you? I talked to a lot of people. Uh, There was a couple in the first service that met for the first time on Valentine's Day 50 years ago. Uh, Some people got engaged on Valentine's Day. And let me just tell you, if getting engaged on Valentine's Day is for you, praise the Lord. Let me tell you a great day to get married. I figured this all out for you. It is April 3rd, 2021. Why? Because four, three, two, one, son, right? That's right. You better book that date because it's going to fill up everywhere. Tell people to save the date, son. But yes, we're in the middle of a relationship series. It's called Love That Last, and it's about Jesus. Last week, we talked about how our decisions don't lie. How then when it comes to our relationships and our love life, for some of us, we're willing to follow God in every area of our life. When it comes to generosity, when it comes to helping the poor, but when it comes to our love life, I got this. And I'm going to do it my way. And the thing is, we can tell God that I'm going to give you every area of our life, but again, our decisions don't lie. And we can make a decision and a choice to go in a different direction. The truth is that our, our lives, your relationship life, is a culmination of all the choices that you've made in your life. So intentions don't matter. Decisions is what matters. And today we're going to be talking about a decision, a choice that is wildly important. And it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's something that can change your life. And that decision is to decide to wait when God calls you to wait, to wait when God calls you to wait. And what you need to know is that this isn't a message about us sitting in God's waiting room because whenever you hear the term wait for the Lord, I don't want you to think of something passive. I want you to think of something active. I want you to think of something that you're involved in. I don't want you to see this as an invitation. When God calls you to wait is an invitation to sit this one out. That is not what it means to be waiting on the Lord. Being invited to wait for the Lord is an invitation to active faith. And one of the best ways that we can demonstrate faith in God is by choosing to trust God even when we don't see his hand at work in our lives. So no matter where you are in your journey, this message is for all of us. This message has a lot to do about perspective because the truth is we're willing to wait for things when we've determined that they are worth the wait. What's interesting for me in teaching a message about waiting is I am probably the most impatient person in this room. I'm just going to be honest with you, that is me. Uh, That's why I can't live in South Florida anymore, all right? They've kicked me out of South Florida. Uh, If if there's anything you know about me, I'm the last person you want to be in the car with when there is traffic. I don't know what happens to me. I lose my religion. I lose my faith. I don't use my turn signal. I am zipping around everything. I am screaming at everyone. Somebody can give me a church sticker and say, put this on your car. I say, if I put that on my car, nobody's coming to your church because I'm the guy that's cutting everybody off, zooming in and out of everything because I cannot do it. 
it. And one of the things that frustrates my Valentine, who's amazing, she's beautiful, she's gorgeous, she's in the front row and be staring at her the entire time, is that when we go some places, it doesn't happen a lot in Franklin, that's why God has called me here. There you go. But when we go places, especially when we go visit friends and family in South Florida, we go to a restaurant and there is a wait at that restaurant that is five minutes longer than I expected. What are we doing? I'm and we are driving around for at least 30 minutes trying to find another restaurant. And then we get to that restaurant. And when that waits five minutes longer than I expected, guess what we're doing? We're getting back in the car or driving somewhere else. And three hours later, we're eating at a hole-in-the-wall restaurant that none of us wanted to go to when we could have been eating two hours ago at the restaurant we all planned to go to because I cannot wait that's just the truth about my life. And, the, and the, the opposite is also true that when I determine that something is worth the wait, I will wait for it. If I leave and I'm expecting that this restaurant's going to have a wait and it's going to be worth it, then I will wait. When there's things I'm waiting on in my family life that's going to be good for my family, I'm, 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 I'm ready to wait. I will wait for those things when it is absolutely worth the wait. But what you should know is that we are a scriptural church. That means is that we teach the Bible. We believe that every word in, in Scripture is life-changing, that every sentence has the power to change lives, but the Bible is made up of so much more than just words. There are themes, overarching themes in the Bible that you cannot escape from. And I'm going to point out this one overarching theme that's basically in every Bible story, and I know that from now on when you read Bible stories, you're going to see it in there. And that theme is when you wait on God's timing, blessings are in store for you. But when you get outside of God's timing, there's overwhelming consequences that can come your way. There are extreme consequences that happen when you are not waiting on the Lord. And I'm not just gonna simply point to a story because there's not just a story that I can go to that would illustrate my point because it's literally story after story after story in the Bible that illustrates this point. So, so you see this over and over again that God blesses those who wait for him and then also God allows us to reap what we sow. So why am I talking about this in a relationship series? Because I believe no matter what season you're in in your life, whether you're single, whether you're dating, whether you're engaged, whether you're married, whether you're widowed, whether you're divorced, you can't escape this. In every single season of your life, there will be a season of waiting. It's at every moment in your life for the rest of your life. Praise the Lord. And whether or not you're willing to wait on the Lord is going to show up in your relationships. Whether that relationship's going to be blessed or that relationship's going to be ruined by your need for control and the anxiety that you've brought into that relationship. So this is an invitation to wait. And some of you may think that waiting stops when you're married. When it comes to relationships, man, I'm single. I'm just waiting to find the one. Well, I've found the one. We're dating. Well, I'm just waiting for them to pop the question. Well, he's popped the question. We're engaged. Well, I'm just waiting for the wedding day. Well, now we're married and the wait is over. That is not true at all. When you're married is when the greater waiting of your spouse to become more like Jesus on God's timetable, not yours, occurs. When you're married is when you're waiting on that selfishness and those things in your life that were never addressed in your life when you were single, but showed itself when you decided to knit yourself to another human being's soul. That's when those, that waiting comes up in your life. So waiting for the Lord is not something you're going to get away from in any season 
of life. And again, if you pay attention when you read the Bible, you see this over and over again. Pay attention to how there's blessings in God's timing and there's blessings outside of it. One of the stories that comes to mind is in 1 Samuel 13, when there's a king named Saul. Uh, we know this because we studied the life of David a few months ago, but Saul was the first king of Israel. They wanted a, a human king and they were so tired of having God as their spiritual king. They wanted what everybody else had. So Saul is their king. Saul's at this battle. The enemy is, is, is growing and is coming against them. And Saul is afraid. And Saul reaches out to Samuel. Samuel, who is a prophet, who is the last judge of Israel. Samuel tells him, wait for me as you wait for the Lord. When I get there, I'm going to make a legal sacrifice to the Lord to, to concrete the promise that God has made to us that he will never leave us or forsake us. And so Saul is tired of waiting for Samuel and decides to make an illegal sacrifice on his own. And when Samuel shows up, walks in the room, see what Saul has done, he says, what is this thing you've done? Because you did not wait for me and you did not wait for the Lord, you will no longer be the king of Israel. God's going to anoint a new king. And of course, we know who that new king was. The, the new king is David. David started his life when he slayed Goliath as waiting for the Lord. And then he took his life into his own hands and everything went into this downward spiral. It was terrible and he learned some stuff. He learned so much that when Saul, the one that was standing between him and the throne of Israel, would come wandering into a cave not knowing that David was in there with a knife and Saul would come in to relieve himself. And all David's men are saying, look, God has delivered you, Saul. David says, this is not God's timing. I'm not gonna take things into my own hands. And over and over again, David would be given an opportunity to kill Saul, but he refuses to subvert God's timing. And we know how the story ends. Saul's story ends in self-destruction as Saul literally falls on his own sword in battle. David's story ends with him being considered the greatest king in Old Testament history, and he begins the lineage of Jesus Christ himself, our Savior himself. It's the difference between not waiting on God and waiting on God. So pick your story. Any of them, all of them have an element of waiting on the Lord. If you've got your Bibles, and I hope you do, hold them up. If you've got your Bibles, even if it's just a cell phone, if you're watching online, just hold it up. People are going to think it's weird. We're going to be in Isaiah chapter 30. It's towards the middle of your Bible. You can go ahead and turn to Isaiah chapter 30. It is a beautiful passage of the Bible. What you need to know about Isaiah is Isaiah is a prophet. And, and prophets and kings in the Bible had an interesting relationship. You know, kings were basically the CEOs of the nation of Israel. They were the figurehead. They led Israel into battle. Prophets would tell the kings what the Lord has said, and then the king would have to decide how much of what the Lord has said he's going to follow. Now, Isaiah is a great prophet, but he's a great prophet in a difficult time because he happens to be a prophet in a time where kings don't want to listen to him at all. And there's this really interesting thing that happens in Isaiah chapter 30. There's this moment where Israel is extremely pressured to take things into their own hands and get outside of God's timing. So again, we're in Isaiah chapter 30. I'm going to start in verse 15. It's a beautiful verse. It says, For thus said the Lord, the Holy One of Israel, and returning, which you could read that word as repentance. That's all repentance means is to return, is to turn. And returning and rest you shall be saved, and quietness and trust shall be your strength. 
What a beautiful verse. I just want to put that over my coffee machine. Uh, you know, I literally Googled this verse, and there are coffee mugs with this verse on it. There are, like, uh, memes or, like, you know, colorful things or even, like, art that you can get for your living room that have this verse on it. But just so you know, the, that's not the whole verse. They forgot a line in the verse. The line that they've cut out of this verse is, but you were unwilling. But you were unwilling. So I came up with this in the first service because that's where I get all my ideas. But I'm going to sell thousands of these coffee cups. I'm going to put the verse on that coffee cup that says, uh, that says everything, you know, and quietness and rest will be your strength. And then when you sip it, on the bottom is printed, but you were unwilling. You know what I mean? So he brings it up, but you were unwilling. See, got him. See, that's what I'm saying. See, you're laughing. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to seriously do that. It's going to be amazing. But anyways, verse 16, it says, and you said, no, we will flee upon horses. Therefore, you shall flee away and, we'll, and, and we will ride upon swift steeds. Therefore, your pursuers shall be swift. A thousand shall flee at the threat of one. At the threat of five, you shall flee till you are left like a flagstaff on a top of a mountain, like a signal on a hill. Listen, what this is about is the fact that Israel didn't want to be quiet they didn't want to rest. They didn't want anything that the Lord had for them. They went their own way. Listen, we love context as a church. And just so you know, the context of what, what, he, what Isaiah is writing in in this moment is that the Assyrian army has become this huge enigma. They've gone throughout the, the ancient world and they destroyed all these nations and rumors have floated across on the wind about how destructive and vicious and violent and unstoppable Assyria is. And here has come the day knocking on their door in Israel. Guess who's shown up? It's the Assyrian army and they are afraid. Israel is afraid. And God's saying, look, in quietness and rest, and trust, just chill, that is your strength. And they say, not for us. And they literally get on a horse and they go south to where? They go south to Egypt. They go up to Pharaoh and say, Pharaoh, we wanna be under your leadership, take our money, take our food, but we just want one thing in return. When Assyria comes to attack us, we want your horses and your chariots to come up uh, and, and support us and be there for us. And this is just, insane. Their job was restfulness, quietness, and trust. Does that describe the Christians that you know? Does that describe you? Is that how the world sees Christians right now? Quietness, restfulness, and trust, or are we just as angsty, angry, loud, and anxious as the rest of the world? God calls these Israelites and tells them all they have to do is trust him, and they go south instead. And what's crazy is they take the trust that they should have put in God and they take it to Egypt. They take it to Egypt. And, and it's just amazing. It's an amazing reversal that happens because God's the one that led them out of captivity in Egypt, out from under Pharaoh, but they trusted horses instead of God. They had their independence. They were on their own trust. And now they're going back under the leadership of the very one that they were delivered from. Now, this is a relationship series, so I won't explain how Christians have done this with politics. I won't point out how God asks us to, to rest, love, and be at peace in him, but we like the way politics uses laws, powers, war, money, and charisma. So instead of turning to horses and steeds, we turn to elephants and donkeys because we'd rather make deals with corrupt politicians who will make favorable laws than wait for the Lord while loving our neighbor, inviting the stranger in, and visiting the prisoner, bringing food to the hungry, clothing the naked, and bringing water to the thirsty. But this is a relationship series. And even though that's fire, 
I'm not going to talk about that. So here's what you need to know. One of the worst things that happens when we get off of God's timetable is what happens to us internally. Internally. Now, people will ask me, why do good things happen to bad people? And I'm like, explain good things. So they're like, well, they got lots of money. Okay, so their circumstances might look different than yours. But look at what's happening to them internally. And you don't have to look far. Right? There's a documentary about Britney Spears that's out when she went through that crazy time where she shaved her head. There's so many things that we're seeing about these people that we envy because of their money, about their relationships falling apart, about how they can't trust anybody, how everything is falling apart. It doesn't matter. When you get outside of God's timing, you end up anxious, afraid, and always wondering when things are going to fall apart. Why? Because you should because you should, you're the one writing the story and you are not good at it. If you're the one in control, you should be very afraid. And what Isaiah is saying is that you're going to get the very thing that you were afraid of, it's gonna happen to you, and on top of all of that, you're gonna be driven crazy from within because you should be at rest, you should have been quiet, and you should have stayed in trust. But instead, all this is gonna come down on you. And in verse 18, it comes out of nowhere. It says this, therefore, because you did all these things and this is what you deserve, the Lord waits to be gracious to you. And therefore, he exalts himself to show mercy to you. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are those who wait for him. Even though we've done all these things, it's the scandal of grace that just doesn't appear at the cross when Jesus dies the death that I deserved. But over and over again, as we read these prophecies in the Old Testament, we see God laying out what Israel had done and what they deserve, and then out of nowhere, a verse always pops up where God says, I'm going to extend mercy to you even though you trusted in Egypt and you should have waited on God. The very thing that you were afraid of came and so did anxiousness and hurt and loneliness. But the Lord wants to be gracious to you. He wants to show you mercy. Our God is a God of justice. What I love is that this reminds me of the even now verse in Joel. Joel chapter 2, verse 12 says, Yet even now, even though you deserve all these things, yet even now declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning, and rend your hearts and not your garments. God is not interested in your outward expressions of faith. He's interested in what's going on in your heart. He wants your heart. Return to the Lord, your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. He relents over disaster. Listen, some of you have been listening to me this entire time, whether you're watching online or in this room and you've been sinking in your chair in shame because when I'm talking about waiting on the Lord, you know that you haven't and you've experienced some of the consequences of that and it looks a lot like your life. But let me just tell you, there is hope. This is not about shame, there is hope. God gives these promises to Israel, even though they weren't waiting for him, he still longed to be compassionate to them, and God longs to tell a new story over you. You may have spent your whole life not waiting on God. Let me just tell you, it is not too late to be submitted to God's timing. It's not too late to, be, to submit your purity to God's timing. It's not too late to get your love story back in God's hands because he's got something brand new for you even now. 
The Lord is a God of justice, which means sometimes our life is a rightful reflection of the decisions that we've made. But he can, he can and he will meet you in a moment of mercy and change the rest of your story. Listen, one moment surrendered to Jesus is greater than a lifetime surrendered to sin. Jesus changes everything. In the middle of God showing us what we deserve, God shows us that he longs to give us compassion and changed everything. Blessed are those who wait for him. So wait and joy on the journey, knowing that your hopes will never be disappointed if you're waiting on the Lord. So if you're single, I never wanna hear you say, I'm waiting on the one, as if somebody's gonna step into your life and somehow make your life worth living. You're just relying on another human being. I want you to say, I'm waiting for the Lord. There's joy in that statement. When I'm waiting for the Lord, that is not just a longing, trying to, it's, it's, listen, God is not hiding his blessings away from you until you get married one day. That's not how God is. Waiting for the Lord is filled with hope, vision for your life. It's filled with love for the outsider. It's filled with power over darkness. You are complete in Jesus. When you hear wait for the Lord, I want you to not think of something passive. I want you to think of, man, this is something exciting. I am waiting for the Lord. So what does that look like? I'm gonna give you three things that you can write down. Number one is waiting is praying over dwelling. Waiting is praying over dwelling. I know I'm not alone in this, but I wake up a lot, like probably too much in the middle of the night, dwelling over either the events of the day before or what I've got coming up. Last night was a weird night for me. Uh, this is the, the first time we've been in person for a while. And so I was like nervous. I was going to oversleep my alarm. And so I, I woke up. I had this vivid dream that felt like an eight-hour dream. You ever have those dreams? It's just like a nonstop dream. And so I woke, up at, I woke up and I was like, surely I've overslept my alarm. And it was 2 a.m. And I was like, okay, I got time to go back to sleep. And so I went back to sleep. And then I had this other epic dream. It felt like a four-hour, five-hour long dream. And then I was nervous. I was like, whoa. You know that moment of consciousness in your dream where you're like, I've been dreaming way too long. And so I woke up and I looked at the clock and it was 2.30 a.m. I am time traveling in my dreams. Like there is no way, anyways, and so I get up. You know, I'm thinking about, man, it's tomorrow, am I taking my kids to school? Which kid am I taking to which kid school first? Because we got three kids that go to three different schools and it is a nightmare. And if I'm taking them to school, am I picking them up from school? What meetings do I have? Did I remember to return that email? And so I'm dwelling on all these things instead of praying over all these things. And some of us, simply assume that we've prayed about things that we've really just dwelled on. And let me just tell you, a game changer will be when you actually cry out loud to God in the waiting. And maybe you've told your Christian friends that you've been praying about something that you've really only dwelled on. You've never said this out loud in a prayer. You've never written it down on paper. And there are tangible results that you want to see on the other side of a prayer life that doesn't exist for you because you're dwelling and not praying. And this passage that we're studying, Isaiah chapter 30, in verse 19, it says, For a people shall dwell in Zion and Jerusalem. You shall weep no more. He will surely be gracious to you at the sound of your cry. As soon as he hears it, he answers you. Listen, this is a promise that lies on the other side of praying, not dwelling. Don't just dwell on what you're waiting on. Cry out to God. Listen, God can handle your realness. 
That's what the Psalms is all about. God can handle you saying, God, I did not expect this to be my season of life. I did not expect to be waiting for this long. And God can handle those things. When you are praying like that, listen, there is an abundance of blessing on the other side of couples who pray together than just complain about each other. And when you are praying like that, you know what happens sometimes? Sometimes God changes your circumstances. Do you know what happens when you're praying like that every time? Every single time, God changes you. Every single time. And I love it when I pray about something. I'll be praying, God, I pray that you give my wife an extra dose of energy today, some joy today. And at the end of the day, when she's like, man, I've had some extra energy. I don't know what it was. God and I have a moment. Like, I see what you did there. Listen, those moments only exist for people who pray instead of just simply dwell on things. So number two, if you're taking notes, number one is, is, is praying over dwelling. Number two is, is trusting over stopping. Waiting is trusting over stopping. Remember, waiting isn't passive. It's not just you saying, we trust God and we surrender to God our will. It's the discipline of being in God's word. It's the discipline of having these moments of connections with God. So don't say you're trusting God when all you're doing is stopping. Don't say you're trusting God when you're just sitting this one out. We need to be leaning into God. Listen, 1 Corinthians, you know, 1 Corinthians 13, it's the famous love chapter in the Bible. Uh, you know, sometimes I'll sit down with couples and I'll be like, how did you know that they were the one? Well, I read 1 Corinthians 13 and that described them perfectly. I'm like, really, you met Jesus? That's amazing. And the point of 1 Corinthians 13, when it says love is kind, love is gentle, love does not boast, love is not envious. When we think of that, the, the, the point of 1 Corinthians 13 is not that you need to go away and work on your envy problem. The first of 1 Corinthians, the point of that chapter is I cannot do that. I can't love that way apart from Jesus Christ. So I need more of Jesus. And the way that I get more of Jesus is trusting in him. So stop sitting on the bleachers and pretending that that's somehow trusting God. Waiting is not absent of effort and the effort is in trusting God. And number three, if you're taking notes, waiting is hoping over moping. Hoping over moping. And I'm not going to lie, waiting is hard. Waiting is annoying at times. Waiting is going to test you. And one of the worst things that happens in your season of waiting is waiting can drown your soul of joy. It could be completely gone in your life. Listen, if you're going through a season of infertility, the last thing you want to do is smile and declare the goodness of God. But we need to understand that waiting for the Lord looks like cultivating a heart of gratitude before we see how God's going to come through for us. Listen, I, I love the songs that we sing, and I miss it. One of the things that I miss more than anything uh, when we were not able to meet in person is being able to lift our voices in song. And there is just something about those songs of deliverance. I, I'm going to see a victory. There's something about, um, you've always been faithful in my life. When we sing those songs and I can look back in my life and I can see six years ago. And I, God, I, I don't know how we're going to do this. How is this even possible? And I'm reminded about how God's come through. I believe God loves those songs. But you know what God loves even more than when I'm singing those songs, able to look back at my life when God's come through? He loves even more when they're sung by people who are still in that season of wait. When they're sung by people who haven't had their breakthrough yet, haven't seen the light at the end of the tunnel, that she's still not pregnant, but she's still here. 
and their hands are raised and their eyes are lifted up. There might be tears coming down from those eyes, but they are still, that has not stopped their spirit from delighting in God. Don't ever let a series of waiting shut down your spirit from finding joy in God. And when God sees that level of faith, I'm telling you, when he sees people who don't see God's hand but are trusting his heart and and worshiping in that level of faith, I promise you that our God is saying up in heaven, I can't wait for them to see how this story ends. That's what God thinks. And I, I I, I don't want us just to be that kind of people that just look back, but I want us to be people that look forward to what God is doing in our life. And I wanna end this by reading this scripture over you. It's Psalm 27, verse 14. It says, wait for the Lord, be strong, and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. I believe that on the other side of mustering up the courage, there's gonna be a marker in your life. At that time that you had faith, there's gonna be a marker of faithfulness in your story and your love story. And let's have a faith that says, God, we might not see your hand, but we trust your heart. Let's pray together if we can. Father, we just thank you so much that you are in control. And even at times, Lord, and our sense of maybe feeling our control slip, we want to hold on to these things. God, I, I pray that right now we would take those things that we're afraid to let go control of, and we hold them so tightly in our hands that this would be a moment right now that we just turn them all over to you. And God, I I pray that we would recognize that you're not just in the waiting. You are simply the waiting. You are everything that we are waiting for. You're everything that we want. We're everything that we need in every season. God, you are exactly what our marriage needs. God, you are exactly what we need in this time of singleness. God, you're exactly what we need in every single point of our life. Because God, you are the point. God, in this room, I pray for everybody in a season of waiting, that faith would rise up and remove that feeling of faithlessness. That right now in this room, that joy would rise up and remove that feeling of hopelessness. Because God, we know that you are in control. Because God, you haven't changed. And we know that when we read your word, that you will do this again. Lord, I pray right now that you would fill us with quietness, that you would fill us with restfulness, that the anxiety, that the anger would be gone. Because Lord, we have put it all in you and we trust in you in every single season of our life. Still in this moment of prayer as we're praying together, if you're in this room and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want you to know that this is the greatest love story that has ever been written. That God was fully satisfied in love as Father, Spirit, Son, a community of love. And not out of need, but out of love, the overflowing of that love, God created man to enjoy a community with God forever. And it was great until man decided we could do it without God in our own timing. Yet even now, God sent his only son to pay back that price. God sent his only son to pay a debt that we could not deserve, to die the death that I deserved, to repay a debt that I could not pay. And it worked. He was buried because he died and he rose from the grave three days later, proving that it worked. 
And now you and I can enter into that love relationship once again. God is our heavenly father. And tomorrow, we don't need to run away and get cleaned up and then come to God in this moment. Even if you've been doing things your own way and in control of your own life up until now, yet even now, God is here for you. You can come to him in this moment and say, Jesus, I'm a sinner in need of a savior. I believe that what you did on that cross was for me. And I wanna live my life the way that you asked me to live it. I wanna go where you asked me to go. I wanna do what you asked me to do. Lord, save me. And in praying that prayer, your name will be written in the book of life. And tomorrow when you fail, you don't run from God, but you run to God. If that's you right now, I wanna lift you up in prayer. Father, right now, I pray for everybody at the sound of my voice, whether they're watching on YouTube or they're in this room, Lord, that your spirit who is at work rescuing us right now would reveal to us all the mysteries of who you are, that you would live in us and give us the will to obey you in all times. Lord, we thank you so much that we can trust in you and that you bring us joy. We thank you for the joy that we have in you and that we love because you first loved us. We pray all these things in Jesus' name.